Welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. You're listening to episode 61, and I'm your host, Susie Botello. Ross Perkins received the Best Feature Film Award at the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego for his film, Madhouse. He attended with his producer, Kimberly Hart. Ross came from Sydney in Australia, and I would like to add, he had no expectation of winning. But still, Madhouse took home a trophy for Best Feature Mobile Film from San Diego. Now, if you're a mobile filmmaker thinking that it would be great to submit it to our film festival... Make an effort to attend, because even if you think you may not win, you just might. It's not really about the winning, to be honest. It's about getting your film out there to be screened in film festivals, being a part of Q&A panels, meeting other filmmakers. And of course, in our case, we are in San Diego. It's a great place to visit. I mean, supposedly, we are America's finest city. But in the end, receiving an award is pretty awesome. Ross Perkins' film, Madhouse, shares a tough story to tell with some amazing acting performances. It's a lost footage type film about a home invasion involving meth addicts and a family. The film was based on a true story and it's less gruesome than the events that this story is actually based on. Ross is our guest in this episode of the SBP podcast and he shares more details about the film. He also shares some advice for mobile filmmakers and a bit about his experience making his first film as an actor. I want to give a shout out to our partners at Free Vision in L.A. Free Vision was at the film festival in April and brought their new gimbals so that all attendees could get their hands on them. Check them out. Go to their online store at globalgimbals.com and enter promo code SUSY, S-U-S-Y, when you check out. And you'll get a 10% discount off your total purchase. I want to thank you, our listeners, for being a part of this podcast. And you are a part of it. Every interview and every discussion, every question I ask is with you in mind. I hope you find our podcast inspiring and entertaining. And if you're enjoying this, if you're enjoying listening to our podcast, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. And then one last thank you to the sponsors of the film festival for 2019, Red Giant, Sorts and Circuitry Studios with Uncharted Regions, Film Convert, Black Box Global, Hall Age Podcast, Star Wars Steampunk Universe, Indiana Filmmakers Network, and Grip and Shoot. We really appreciate you. Now, are you guys ready? Let's go talk to Ross Perkins, shall we? Welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I am here holding a cup of tea and celebrating (laughs) with our friend Ross Perkins from Madhouse. 
uh, who won uh, the best feature film, uh, mobile feature film, at the uh, 2019 International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego. Do I sound like a commercial, Ross? No, it sounds perfect. Oh, perfect is good. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'd like to welcome you to or present you, uh, Ross Perkins. Uh, say hi, Ross. Hi, everyone. How you doing? <laughs> Everybody answer back at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to share, you know, we had episode uh, 45 uh, talk a lot in depth with Ross. This is before uh, either one of us even knew that he had a a winning film. There were a couple of films competing head to head against each other in this competition for the feature film competition. Um, and uh, Ross actually won. And I do want to mention that you brought Kimberly Hart, who's your producer, uh, to the film festival also. Yeah, no, we, we wouldn't miss it for the world. I know, and I want you to I want you to share that a little because it's it, it it's a big deal that just one of you came, you know. Um, but but two of you that's that's epic, you know. Yeah, well, um, Kim was really instrumental in putting the whole thing together. She was uh, my producer partner, uh, production designer, and uh, I couldn't have done any of it without her so to celebrate it with her was wonderful and the the fact that she was willing to make that effort because you guys came from uh sydney from australia which is only you know it's it's not like you're right next door no that's right so uh just uh not every day we get these sort of opportunities um and the fact that it was received overseas uh that was incredible a wonderful honor to know that it crosses because it's very australian the story uh so to see uh, people on the other side of the world get it. That was wonderful. Um, so, yeah, we wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah, speaking about the story a little bit, why don't you share with our listeners uh, who know nothing <laughs> about it um, a little bit about Madhouse and what that what that was about? Uh, so it was based uh, loosely on a true story that happened in America uh, about a real-life home invasion that was horrific and... Uh, I thought I didn't want to tell that exact story, um, so I've taken liberties with it. Uh, but I did also want to transplant it to Australia, and then also uh, make a independent film, uh, so with little to no money. And uh, thought that I would set it all in the house, uh, structure it like a home invasion film, uh, use it uh, the iPhone to keep the cost down. Uh, keep the crew minimal, and then uh, go somewhere different in the third act, uh, take it outside the house. Um, and one of the beauties of that is um, you get instant uh, sort of production values um, when you're shooting in a giant house. Um, and pulling resources was sort of more of my take. Um, but I'm really proud of the result. I'm happy with how it played. I'm thrilled that it won. Um, and so, yeah, now we're very happy. So one of the things that our listeners might want to know, um, you know, uh, you're, this was, first of all, this was the first film that you've ever, um, well, I don't know. Is it the first one that you've ever written or the first one you've ever directed or both? Uh, both. 
both. So there you go. Yeah. Because you come from the theater. There, there's. I've been speaking with a number of filmmakers, actually, who are using smartphones to make films. And they're stepping literally from the stage to the film industry by using this form. It seems like this is a really mm-hmm. good segue platform for them. And share a little bit about you, you know, uh, your your history and where, you know, what inspired you or what motivated you to make a film with your phone. Uh, well, the big one for you be, um, uh, I've always loved acting. That's always been my first love. And then I studied at university and I was very uh, lucky. I had wonderful supportive teachers who taught me not just the acting component, but they taught me about writing, uh, directing, um, all the different kinds of acting. Um, so they, they taught me that and they were really, really encouraging the whole way through. Uh, and then in terms of Australia, like the industry here is so small um, that you don't get many opportunities. And I personally believe that you've got to create your own. And a mobile phone, surprisingly, really allows you that. It allows you to be able to go out there and shoot, do things on your own. Um, so I found that the two are actually hand in hand. And um, and then, of course, uh, the way, I mean, you had quite a number of, I, you know, most of the time you hear about, oh, we had this huge crew. Um, and this wasn't like a Viking film, uh, but you had a, a lot of <laughs> a lot of actors in your film, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of actors, a lot of friends that came to bat for me, <laughs> um, <laughs> which were wonderful, um, and uh, crew as well. So uh, and Kim, uh, so everyone was uh, all came to help, and um, I didn't have to do too much convincing. Now, why is that? Because they just trusted you. I mean, what was their, you know, was their attitude more like, well, if it doesn't work, that's okay. Uh, we had a ball. We had fun. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like to think that um, I'm a, that, that, that it's good friends to me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that it's good people that wanted to help their friend uh, in any way. And they know how passionate I am about the filmmaking and acting and all that stuff. So um, and, and also provide opportunities for them. Like the people I cast were people that I knew were great actors and um, people who I'd want to work with again. Uh, so to give them uh, a chance to do what they do and well, because um, one of the things with acting is you don't really get to pick your material. Um, so it was uh, nice for them to play around. Yeah, it's it's really great advice um, that you're giving there, and I do as well. And several others um, also give that to whether they're working in theater or in film to actors. Um, and you've also worked in film. We don't want to underestimate you <laughs> uh, or understate that, I should say. Um, but we we you know it's great advice to say to an actor, you know. Don't wait. Don't sit around and wait for someone to cast you in a film. I mean, you're just as capable of coming up with a great story idea and cast yourself in in that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think if you can write, then you should write. <laughs> and um, if you can uh, find a way to do it and 
if you really are passionate, you'll find a way, whether it's an iPhone or um, a GoPro or anything else, you, you'll find a way to be able to do it. Yeah, and and also, of course, obviously, another thing we don't want to understate is that if, if you've got good friends and integrity coupled with that um, as a friend, not not... So in other words, they trusted you because time is, you know, especially in this industry, it's important, you know, um, but they obviously trusted you because you've, you've got some integrity and they believe in you. They believe that you're not, huh, I don't know how to, how to say that word without, you know, saying a bad word, but you know, half, <laughs> half baked, uh, you know, person who just does things halfway. I don't know how else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I do love it. Like I love movies. I, I watch probably a movie a day. Um, and, uh, I love acting and, um, I eat up filmmaking. So, uh, I think it's contagious. Um, they all, they all seem to be, want to, want to be a part of it, which is wonderful. Yeah. You know, actually when you said contagious, that's actually, that's actually very true. Um, you know, every film festival that I have, people walk away. People, that, not the filmmakers, but just regular people who come, they walk away and they're, you know, before it ends, they start asking questions. Like, and you and you probably got that at our film festival where people were asking you, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And, you know, outside of the Q&A sessions that you did, um, because people get inspired, they're they're watching films and they're watching this entire experience, and they would like to have that experience themselves. Um, and they've got this camera right there with them. It's not like they've got a giant. You know, you're using a, a red cam, right? And they have no access to that. This is this is a smartphone. You still have to be able to, you know, construct a story. But I think mm. we know more. Because, like you said, you watch a film a day. Well, your parents probably watched a lot of films growing up, and their parents no, did no, too. They didn't. No. no, my parents. Um, uh, what do they watch? Uh, the news. <laughs> <laughs> They've so never the watched news. a movie. Oh well, yeah, the the my dad uh, would watch the wrestling on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so so if you went to them and said, "Hey, do you know?" Uh, that movie Indiana Jones for just to pick an example, they would look at me and say, I've never seen any movies ever. Uh, they're, they're not. <laughs> yeah. My so, dad's favorite movies, Con Air. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to prove a point that it's, it's part of our genes, you know, that there's, there's yeah. really almost no human being alive. <laughs> our listeners are probably going, what are you getting to Susie? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's my point. There are probably no humans alive right now um, that have never watched, you know, a movie of some sort or mm. or a television show that's a story in the in the visual video film uh, medium, right? Mm. And so, because of that, once we start playing, like for example, uh, transitions, right, between scenes. Uh, they mean and they evoke different feelings and different perceptions, right? So what what was it like um, in your film? Because you acted um, and you, I remember from your last podcast, you were saying that um, you guys were passing the 
the camera, the the iPhone around to film. So everybody kind of, everybody really in the end sort of was the camera person, right? Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was um, uh, the idea. I wanted to look like a piece of evidence. Mm. Uh, so to have the junkies film each other. And uh, on set, it was, uh, I had it preconceived, but it was as simple as just telling the actors where to point it. And uh, that took the workload off. Also limited the number of crew that was required. <laughs> I didn't need a cameraman if the actors are filming each other. How many did you have? I mean, obviously you had a skeleton crew, but um, how many did you have and what were their positions? Uh, I had a first AD, uh, Mitch Wright. And then I had a second AD, uh, Kate Heffernan. And then I had Kim uh, doing uh, managing the set. So she was uh, working with the actors' costumes and uh, maintaining the set as well for continuity. Um, and then that was kind of it. That was the main uh, principal crew. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm. Um, because this is, we're not talking about a short film, guys. We're talking about a film that was an hour and 23 minutes long. Mm. Were they, were you filming every single day for a certain period of time or did you pick up and, and go sometimes and then, you know, uh, go back to it? Well, it all kind of started when I had the idea, first of all, and I'm the youngest of six and uh, very fortunate to have grown up in a nice big house um, for six kids. And uh, my parents went away. They told me they were going away for um, three months. A parent's that... biggest mistake is to tell yeah. their kids they're going away. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of like a scene out of risky business. Um, <laughs> I decided to um, use their time away and the vacant house um, to film the f movie. Um so uh, Kim and I uh, went in there and took reference photos of everything that's in the house. And then once they went away, we moved everything out <laughs> and then brought in um, all this new stuff in and redesigned uh, certain rooms of the house. So we didn't use every room of the, uh, the house. Um, and... Uh, Rooms that I grew up with became dressing rooms and, you know, equipment rooms and stuff like that. Um, so that was a bit surreal. Um, so the whole house became this giant film set. And uh, I knew that I wanted to have uh, two weeks to shoot uh, the house stuff, which is the bulk of the film. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to have another week to put everything back again <laughs> um, <laughs> from the reference photos. Um, so that was at the forefront of my mind to do the house stuff first while we could. Um, and then once that was done, I shot the first act in the beginning. And then I took a break. Um, I heard Woody Allen does it. He shoots half a movie and then he stops filming and then he edits, mm. um, see what he needs and what he doesn't need. Um, so um, that was one reason. And the other reason was um, I wanted my character to look a bit malnourished. Uh, so I, uh, We call it strung out. <laughs> yeah, strung out. <laughs> so I um, took, a, I think, uh, two or maybe one month, one month um, break 
to do the third act and I just jumped on a treadmill pretty much um an exercise bike and didn't ate one meal a day (laughs) which is pretty really really irresponsible um and then uh, got ready to do the third act and I think I did the third act and we all did it in about uh maybe three days three days and by the end of it um the last shot of the film is um me alone uh in a, in a one room and i thought that was a nice way to end it actually the shoot um and then there's bits of pickups and that was mostly like photographs and stuff um but yeah that was uh, that was the shoot wow and in total i think it was uh, 3 months so did you shoot did you shoot how out of order did you shoot as far as cuz you said the the third act and, and and that is broken up in the in the film visually as well. Yes, yeah it is, yeah. Um so uh it was pretty broken up. I mean in in most most days were in fact um the, there was things kind of in the house, there were things before the giant party scene where things get really trashed. Um so in the house, it was everything before the party scene and everything after the party scene. That was sort of how we loosely structured that. And, and we, <laughs> we should tell, because I just think that that's actually pretty funny, um, the story about the, the party scene, because it, it is just, you know, you're going, wow, you know, how did they, how did they make, because the party scene is almost like layered, you know, these events <laughs> <laughs> that are happening on top of the, and they're very total party scene, uh, you know, Real. random, very realistic. And you're going, man, they should get an award for that. Just, just for that. Right. Um, if yeah. there ever was such an award, who knows, maybe there is, um, <laughs> maybe you can explain that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to have sort of, um, unbridled chaos and not, destroy the house <laughs> too much um because i didn't want to well, explain set up that. the scene set up the scene a little bit about why this even how this even in the story this even just took place well i i'll so basically uh three drug addicts um hold a family of three hostage in their mansion and then uh the junkies the drug addicts uh become so comfortable that they decide to throw a party and um, they decide to throw the party from hell. And uh, it's, <laughs> um, they're having a great time, but poor family, uh, not so much. Um, but I wanted to really push it and I got very, very lucky. So uh, I'm, I'm surrounded by very creative, kind people. And uh, we wrote a list of maybe about 20 uh, and then in the end, I think we got about almost 40 people turn up. Wow. And um, we, d- we just told them to um, lose your inhibitions and go nuts. <laughs> and, there's, um, and, then, and that's just what's in the film. There's other bits that aren't in the film. Um, one thing I can tell you is um, in I, – I don't think you guys have this in America, but in Australia, uh, in colleges, they play a thing called um, – Goon of Fortune. So we have uh, wine that's in a, a casked wine. Do you guys have that? A cast? Yeah, it's like a bag of wine. That's, um, describe it. So you're getting four liters of uh, wine, and have it comes in boxes. Bag. And I think, yeah, yeah. If that, 
it's that. And they string that to a clothesline and they spin it around and everyone stands around it and whoever it lands on has to drink it. <laughs> so that that's a game that I had the idea to, and it's in a little bit is in the film. Um, and I had that idea, so I had everyone around. And then it got to a point where we stopped filming and it became a drinking game and I had to really stop it. (laughs) It got rid of it a little bit out of hand. (laughs) Now, do you think, because I I have, you know, we spoke about this in the other podcast, but I, I don't remember bringing this up, but I'm just thinking about this right now. Like, imagine, right, that your friends are getting carried away in this party and they, they're forgetting, right, that this yeah, is yeah. being filmed. That, that happened it, a little. Right. And so um, <laughs> had there been a bigger crew and bigger camera and, and you know, uh, you, you used lights? Did you use any lights or? Yeah, I, I tried to use natural light okay. um, yeah. wherever I could. And then I had one... Um, uh, one one giant light um, for for the uh, for pretty much for the party, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. So it a- so it wasn't it wasn't the behind the scenes wasn't set up, you know, in the typical movie making scene, you know. No. Um, no. Yeah. So I I'm thinking that that probably helped everyone not only stay in character, but actually forget about their character and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that and they are characters, like right, <laughs> cool people. <laughs> and uh, and and it's probably good that you left some stuff out, you know, to give a little mercy to some of your friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually, haven't seen it. So the goal oh. is to finally have a um, cast and crew screening, which would be very long overdue. Um, Aaron, who plays Bryce in the film, wonderfully. Um, he says that I'm making Avatar. <laughs> it's taking so long to put it together. <laughs> or the Titanic or something. Yeah, you know, just that's right. <laughs> some epic movie. Lord of the Rings took 10 years. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, that's part of the, that's part of what I applaud filmmakers for is that it's an investment of time and the persistence that it mm. takes for you to stay on it. Um, you know, it's 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 a little easier to just say, oh, look, we're going to go shoot a weekend film, which, you know, I used to do that every single weekend uh, a while back, um, mm. you know, and it, it becomes a habit and it becomes, you know, like no big deal. You just, you're working on a film every weekend, you know, you go to work during the week and then you're working on a film on the weekend because you're passionate about it and you have fun and, you know, uh, you know, it's a thing. We we're crazy. We love that stuff. Right. Um, but another thing is to make a feature film, um, and have it, you know, especially on your end, I mean, you were, you were acting in it, you were, you wrote it. So you, you're talking, you were part of the, the pre-production, the production and the post-production and, um, and the distribution part now too, and that's a yeah. lot. That's that's quite a lot. That's like you're like a filmmaking hero. Well, and everybody that does that to me, I I think is a is a hero. You know, because well, well, the whole journey is a real um, 
wonderful opportunity to follow a film from conception all the way to um, the distribution. I mean, it's a real kind of privilege to be able to follow it through at all these different facets because you're learning about everything. Um, you know, I'm learning about um, what it is to get everyone together. Um, also, the things that go into the film festival stuff, the things that go into distribution stuff, uh, what's required of you, um, what do you have to do leading up to it, uh, what don't you do. So I'm, I'm learning all that stuff, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful education. Imagine if you're 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 thinking, I'm going to go sail, uh, go sail out in the ocean, get in a sailboat, and I'm going to sail from here. <laughs> Let's say your next trip is going from Sydney to San Diego on a sail ship. Yes. <laughs> but now, now let's change the game. You design, you got to design the ship and yeah. you got to build it. Then you got to get in it. You got to learn how to sail. Yeah. It's all on you. You got to sail it over here and then you got to sail it back. And then yeah. you have to store it Sounds somewhere. Terrifying. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it just, um, I mean, yes, you get to have a great experience of, in, and all that, but there are very few people who will go through every stage of something like this, which is why I'm saying in a way it's heroic. There are a lot of people in between that, right? That, you know, um, even in, in the film production business, for the most part, it's like, you know, you have your editors, you have your producers, you have your directors, you have your, um, you know, script supervisors, you have your lightning crew, lighting, sorry, <laughs> uh, your lighting crew, you have, you know, you have all that separately, and they usually just play that part in almost every film that they work on. Mm. And then you have a handful of people that are heroes like you that will do all the work, you know. And I'm sure there are people listening to this right now who are probably going, yeah, actually it is a lot of work, you know, you because you're so passionate about it and you enjoy the challenge of it, you you may not really realize that. But I'm here to tell you, Ross, and everybody who's out there who does this, you are a hero. You you deserve to be treated like a star. So come to the film festival and I'll do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you and you did, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, how, about, how about that? What was that experience like for you? Oh, it was wonderful to um, know that someone out there got it like you did mm -hmm. <laughs> um to know that uh people respond to it on any level um and uh it was the first time it's uh played anywhere um that was its premiere um so i and being from australia uh, and i get probably a rejection letter a week um so it was so nice to actually say that it's been accepted that was wonderful and um something i'll never forget you know, um, it, it's actually, that's another, that's another tooth right there that everybody gets rejected here and there. It's, um, it it, it's what it is. Like I've really locked into the idea that I'm in the rejection business. <laughs> so my, my job is to be rejected. I don't seek it. I don't like it, but it's what it is. And, um, and that's, you know, I'm starting to really come around to the idea uh, that it is a numbers game. Yeah. Um, 
that I mean, you hear it, and, and I'm I'm a bit silly. A lot of my friends tell me they go, "Look, we tell you stuff all the time, but it's not till you lock into things that you're like, oh yeah, I get it." <laughs> um, and I can certainly say that for um, the numbers game thing. I, I really think um, yeah, the system is designed for you to, you know, to fail. So you just got to find your way around it. We're born failing. I mean, you know, we're, you know, <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, we, we are, I mean, it, uh, we fall down when we're learning how to walk about a million times and, you know, we get up and then that one time we finally walk and then we just go with it, you know? Um, but we wouldn't get there until we learn to get up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's not something that, I mean, looks. I know I've met some people who are just like, "Oh yeah, didn't you know?" I, I get it, and um, I think I'm probably just a bit late to the party. Um, <laughs> but when you, I really do feel locked into the idea that it's not, you know, it, it is. That's that's what I signed up for. And, and life is a movie, Ross. So with every fail, just look at it like that one scene in the movie where the 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 guy or the girl they're just getting closer and closer, but they don't know it. <laughs> well I, I mentioned this um at the film festival and something that um my mum said which is uh um people get three quarters of the way through something and they, they think they're finished but they've just got a little further to go and that's something that I try and remember yeah it's it gives you hope you know because mm, it, it takes an awful lot to get to that three quarters there's no question um but just to hang in there a little longer yeah, and you could be hanging in there for a little longer for years, but you're still at it. And that's that's um that's what I call really persistent people, you know, like those people that work out um and they're never seeing the results, you know, and all of a sudden way later <laughs> yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll just like one day turn around and go, Oh my god, I got a muscle. No, I'm just kidding. I mean <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a- that's a good analogy. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, let's talk a little bit just um, about some. I'll, I'd like to point out some of the things that I that I found really incredible throughout the film. As far as I mean, since we're just like talking you up here, obviously, but we're I'm being very honest with you though. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not easy to direct something um you know it's easier to write and direct you know than to have somebody else direct what you wrote um yeah but then to act it um at the same time you know um you remember mickey mickey harrison yeah yeah so mickey um she's she's so awesome um you know she's she was i don't know if you knew how old she was but and she's okay with me saying that she's actually very proud of being 84 years old um yeah and um and she she writes uh she gets ideas for stories and she writes them and she you know gets her uh her people together and then they put together this little film but she always acts she Mm. likes to act in them but that's hard. That's hard to do and to keep focused on, you know, because being a director and being an uh, an, uh, an actor, you're both in separate zones, sort of speak. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could direct my, I don't know if you can really direct yourself in a play. Um, 
I don't think that's too good of an idea. Um, that's just my personal. Um, I don't think I could do it. That's all. Um, and then uh, for film, though, I think it's a little easier in that if you're a director, you're creating a world, and then if you're an actor, you're you've sort of you've created a world for yourself. You're also doing as an actor, you're doing the same thing as well. So um, the two of them, I think, mirror each other. Um, but you're also directing people when you're directing a film. Yeah, that's right. Um, one thing I remember vividly is um, I. So my judging by the way we shot it, um, my scenes came in quite late into the piece. So I had spent um, a few days just directing the actors and holding the camera. Um, and then when it came. To, uh, to do the um the d uh, yeah the denailing scene <laughs> um so when it came to that i had to tell myself don't be the one to ruin your own film <laughs> like try and up the standard because everyone uh was so talented that i didn't want to be the weakest link in my own movie so i had to um really focus in on that and i'm not um a method actor but i do like to concentrate so i just need probably about uh, less than five minutes just to focus on what I'm doing. And uh, when you're running the set, that's really easy to do. <laughs> yeah. I also gathered from, from meeting Kimberly, um, uh, Kim, uh, during yes. the film festival and, you know, she would chime in during your, your Q and a and things like that. And I think, you know, personally, um, uh, publicly <laughs> um that you you really lucked out with her that she really facilitated a lot of that you just mentioned the set you know yeah, as well right. yeah yeah no i couldn't have done it without kim there's no question um so she was she was going to go to japan um mm -hmm. and then she put it off to help me do the movie which i'm incredibly grateful for and uh the house particularly because that's the house i grew up in um so I've got all my memories in that house and that can kind of throw you when you're an actor um, acting in this movie you're making because it is so familiar. And the job that she did in redesigning it, essentially, um, I didn't fully recognise it. it. It really did feel like this other family were living in it, um, photographs and all. Um, so that's Kim. She created that world for me to play in. She created that sandbox, which is very, very grateful for. Um, and then also the uh, costumes as well. Um, and then the, the makeup was a thing. Um, so uh, putting that together together. And uh, to have a second head, to have someone I could bounce ideas off. Um, also her encouragement as well. She was always encouraging. Um, never said no. Um and then listening to the actors and providing this really safe space for us to all play in. And I think that's kind of a, a perfect producer. Yeah, well, she seems extremely talented. And, I mean, obviously you knew her and you knew you could trust her with all that. And I think that's part of the thing uh, with film crews. A lot of people don't realize, um, you know, the behind the scenes stuff in, in films. Uh, some people don't, don't put out that much, but they really are families, you know, they, yeah. you know, yeah. that you connect and you have to trust each other because 
you can't just go back and reshoot a whole film all over again, you know. Uh, uh, rather not. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And you have to, and, and these are talented, even though they are family, you know, they are very talented people and very skilled at what they do. I, I really feel that filmmakers are a very special uh, characters in this play that we have, which is our world in this stage, you know. Uh, you have people in different professions in this world. Uh, but I really think filmmakers are quite unique uh, because they work and play together really hard. I mean, really hard. And um, that's to be commended. Did she ever have to step in and say, oh, ooh, that's not going to work or, hey, don't forget, you know, or anything like that to you guys or to you? Uh well, the, certainly the don't forget that was uh, <laughs> that was a regular in the vocabulary. I think most things started with "Hey, don't forget." Uh, <laughs> but uh, what specifically, I, I can't remember. Um, let's just say most things. Um, but I, one thing that I'm that she said that I really carry with me, um, in all seriousness, was the first moments before we started filming the very first scene on the very first day, um, I, uh, people were arriving to the house and I said to Kim, uh, admittedly probably a bit nervous. Um, how do I get the actors to do what I want? How do I, I mean, I can explain it to them, but how do I get them over that hump? And she said really beautifully, she said, you just have to trust them. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was such a weight lifted off my shoulders and um it worked and it's, it continues to work and oh. i thought that was the perfect thing to say to a director on his first day <laughs> isn't that isn't that so awesome because you know you always you always wonder if if it's like something incredibly complicated that needs to be said mm. and it's just mm. bringing you back down to simplicity when you're in your complex mind nervous right yeah yeah look it was Probably as close to the perfect thing that she could have said. You have your um, your scenes, some of the, oh God, just about, I would, now would you say 70 or 90% of your scenes were harsh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's funny, so, so yesterday Kim told me she needs um, a classification to go at the front of the film, <laughs> and um, it ticks every box <laughs> like it's got the drug use it's got the, the sex scenes it's got the adult themes it's uh <laughs> so sex um, drugs and rock and roll right yeah yeah so um to see that actually in print under a um a rating that was uh <laughs> <laughs> um i would say 75 <laughs> <laughs> percent it, it it really was um yeah, I hadn't. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't seen it play in front of an audience before, mm. and I hadn't seen it in about uh, maybe six months. Um, and I don't think I was fully aware. In all honesty, I wasn't fully aware of uh, how it would play in front of people. Um, so it was nice to see uh, people, uh, I guess, uh, wincing at the right moments and. Um, uh, being involved I sat at the back and I saw they were all glued so that was wonderful you know there there are some films 
that um, that I've seen where the so there's some a little bit of torturing in this movie. All right, guys. <laughs> some people are probably now going, "Why can I see this?" Um, you know, and there are others going, "I don't know if I'm going to watch this." <laughs> um, but you know, there are some torture scenes, and I've, I've seen a lot of films where. Um, that's underplayed a little bit. Like they truly don't know how to pull those things off. And, and some people think it's all about the, the details about how that torture works out. But I think it's more about the acting. Mm. Uh, the, the, the people that are involved in that scene, how everybody winces, right. When you were saying that at the same time, all the actors uh, are, are interacting with that particular little moment I'm not going to tell you which scene it was, but let's just say there was dinner involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a bathtub. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. And those were two, well, those were two of the 75% of the film. <laughs> uh, but those were kind of torturing type moments, torture moments. And um, you did that so well. It was so believable. Yeah, I mean, uh, the... the uh, they weren't all one take, so we did I think maybe three or four of each one. Um, and uh, my idea was always just to kind of not ram it down people's throats, but just to show it and not get too caught up in the the grisliness. Just to have it have the audience be eyewitnesses and powerless. Um, and not seeing everything close up, I thought was important. Um, I had every confidence actually in the, um, the effects, um, in terms of like the nails. Um, but I, I didn't want to ram it down people's throats too much. Um, but I did want them to feel like, uh, powerless spectators. Yeah, it happened. It, it's like, Hey, look at what happened. And it actually happened. And that was that. And, and that was part of the story, but there was like this whole other story, not other, but whole other part of that story to be told yeah i know the um uh in, in terms of the the acting it out um most every time we'd yell cut i would quickly run up to the actors and apologize oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the, um, and i hated seeing them tied up in between shots that well, yeah i didn't like that <laughs> but, um, you're not it, one of those guys <laughs> oh, i felt terrible a lot i, I they know that i I'm very grateful and also apologize to them a lot. <laughs> um, and then uh, one thing that I did do, like when I met, I don't know if I'm going off topic, but um, one thing I met when I met the actors, um, I, I said to them that I've got uh, two rules. Um, one was don't say the uh, a, a specific word. Uh, and then the other one was don't, um, respect each other's processes, uh, processes, um, because you're all actors, you're all very different people as well. You're all going to have different ways of preparing. So if one of you uh, just needs to have a cigarette before each take, then that's fine. You know, you, you respect that. And then if another one needs to curl up into a ball and <laughs> cry, then that's fine too. You yeah. don't have to um, just respect that as well. Don't make fun of each other in that regard. Um, and in terms of them preparing for those scenes, that's that's all on the actors. They did such a good job of focusing um, and really bringing it to life. Um, 
and uh, also they moved on very, very quickly. Um, as soon as we yelled cut, it was all hugs and thank yous and <laughs> let's move on Aww. to the next one. Um, yeah, no one, uh, everyone was wonderful. Yeah, for for our listeners, it, it really was a very realistic film. Um, it was, you know, the the found footage type of of a film, um, and the story was done very well. And what was very cinematic about it was the fact that it was a really good story, and it kept everyone engaged. It it does keep you engaged from the moment you start to see it all the way through to the end uh, for about, I would say about the first 15 to a half hour of the film. Um, you're, you're not even sure if, if this is an act um, you're, you're starting to, because it's moving along. Um, there's also some other really neat things that you did with the film. I, I want to mention in a second here, but um it's just you're you're engaged almost like you do in a documentary, but mm. it's not a documentary. It's an actual film. It's an actual movie. Um, and I think it was perfect that you used the film because you could have done. I've seen other films, you know, other home invasion films and things like that where they're using a camcorder. But realistically today, who uses a camcorder, you yeah. know? Um, so it was, it, it also made this very realistic. And when I first saw the film, um, when, when you submitted it, I really did not, I, I, I was questioning this because you never know what you're going to get in, yeah. in a film festival, you know? <laughs> and you're like, did somebody just send me their murder? Like they sabotage <laughs> people and they're just trying to make a move, trying to pretend this is a movie. Like what's going on here? <laughs> um, and the character development, um, the like you said, you know, you basically starved yourself and took a break to lose weight. All these things, um, very professionally done. I mean, you look at these junkies, right, drug addicts in the film, and, uh, y- you know, you have to come to terms with the fact that these are not junkies. These are regular actors who did an amazing, great job in their film. And so... You know, I I do think I, you know, I did not choose the winners. We had a judging panel do that, and um, I commend them. It, it was a very, very tough decision uh, between your film and the other film, the other feature film. Uh, but I think, I think um, both films were really, really good, but I, I really the effort that you took in your film with your characters and all your actors and crew is just so, so out of this world. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was like a long speech I just gave you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to, I did, I did say, I want to touch up on something. Um, the effects that you have at the beginning of the film with, you know, the, the features of the phone. Mm hmm. How did you, yeah, that, how did you um, even come to a decision that this is how you're going to, you know, begin this or use this? Uh, I don't know if that was, um, it was more of an idea than a, um, did it come, did it come to you after, like when you were editing it or what? No, no it was always there in, um, during so what I, I had a, a script, mm-hmm. um, and then that was always in the, 
the script. I wanted to. Um, I, I watched a lot of home invasion movies, and I watched a lot of found footage movies, and I found the found the found footage movies all started with them uh, explaining away um, the why they're filming. Uh, they would always say, you know, oh, I'm just trying out the new camera and that's why I'm, that's what I'm doing. And hey, look at this new camera I got, that kind of thing. So I wanted to find a way to do it um, visually. And I thought having the phone uh, being turned on uh, for the first time was a way around that. Um, and then in terms of the edit, that was a lot more difficult because um, I th- there's a lot of uh, little details that go into that, like what colour it has to be, what the icon should look like, um, what should the transitions look like, and that was a great deal of trial and error. And also, on top of that, most importantly, does it all make sense? Because um, it, otherwise it's just a bunch of flashing images. Um, so that that took a long time in the edit particularly. The sounds also play a part in it. Yeah, um, I wanted to. Uh, there's one scene that's virtually um, all audio uh, when Dale is um, being attacked for the first time, uh, and that was an idea I always had, just to have the audience paint the picture uh, for themselves and just hear it. Um, and then uh, the the sound effects will make it sound familiar enough, so it sounded like the iPhone, uh, even though it's not. I mean, it's filmed on an iPhone, but um, I don't own uh, <laughs> the rights to be able to say It is, hey. but it's not. But not really. <laughs> but even though it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't think Apple would. Yeah, you know, so Bro, yeah, wanna... that's another thing, you know. Yeah. It's, I live in, it lives in that gray area. It's a smartphone, I call it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, it's there. It's part of it. Give me a break, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't want to start with the Apple logo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or without their permission, at least. Um, well, you, um, it, it's always so interesting talking to you. I know that the last podcast was really, really detailed, very in-depth. Again, uh, listeners, it's episode 45. Uh, go and listen to it because, you know, you'll get the, the pre-awardee <laughs> uh, version of this film. Um, and he really goes into detail, um, about a lot of things, uh, making the film, including the plots and the twists, right? Uh, all those things. Uh, but the film does have a, a, a pretty interesting, I mean, we're talking about plots and twists. There, there are many plots and twists in this film and they all come together at the end. You know, you're captivated throughout the film, but then everything comes together at the end. It's almost like, remember Sixth Sense <laughs> at the end? And you're going, oh, well, this one is like, you didn't even know there was a oh moment coming. You you didn't even know that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's spoilers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, there were no hidden clues, really. It just all just sort of comes together. It's It's amazing. And how many, you know, since we were talking about percentages and we're getting good at this now, (laughs) (laughs) um, what percentage is basically the original true story, um, that it, that it came from. I know Kimberly pointed out what it, what it was and where it was and everything. It was in California, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I didn't tell, so I mean, everything, 
as violent as most film is, it's not yeah. as violent as that real story. Yeah, um, how, that real story is horrendous. What percentage of the film was like the story? Because I know you based it off of that, but it wasn't an uh, like a, a recreation or a based on a true account all the way, right? Like no, no. Um, the, the the I mean the the dynamics and the characters are somewhat related. Um, so I would say it's probably about um, percentage, uh, probably about sixty percent true, okay. and then forty percent creative license. Um, so the ending's not dissimilar, um, and then the people involved aren't that dissimilar either. Um, and then uh, I, I went further. Like in the real story, the motivation was they just wanted money, um, which is in my film, but. Um, I did want to emphasize on that a bit more. So it wasn't just about that um, because I found that that for a film wasn't strong enough. Um, it was so, shallow, right? Y- well, yeah, and it's, um, it, it, it doesn't also make a whole lot of sense um, to me anyway. Um, so uh, the needlessness of it. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's probably that. Um, what did I say? Sixty-five percent. Yeah, about sixty, sixty, forty, sixty-five. Yeah, you know, um, that that is good to know because um, I know at the at the end when you're rolling the credits, I don't know why we say still say rolling, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the credits are rolling. <laughs> um, you do. You do compare, I mean, you, a lot of your film, like in the beginning, you, you're going through pictures and at the end you're going through pictures, but you're comparing, you're showing the, rea- the real pictures like from newspaper clippings and things like that, right? Um, towards the end of the film? Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, uh, you know, I think that, that comes in the, with the passage of time um, before into the third act. Is that what you're referring to? Well, in the end of the movie, there are newspaper clippings and things like that, um, you know, while the song is going. By the way, give credit. Let's give some credit to to some people, uh, like the music. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, uh, that's uh, Kim as well. So that's uh, one of Kim's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that was um, wonderful. And uh, th- there's a song, uh, another song that's in there as well. Um with the, uh, the Uncle Steve character when he's sitting on the couch. Um, and then uh, the classical music was sort of kind of lifted up to um, high art, um, that, that sort of uh, uh, twistedness. Um, so, yeah, the music was uh, very, very fortunate. And I love that last song. Francie, I just remembered Francie. She wrote the music. She did uh, One Flower. And uh, then there was another one that was uh, Blue and Green that plays – under Uncle Steve's introduction. And then in the party, we had um, uh, the song called, it's a part in the French, it's called Bondi Bitch. <laughs> and oh. um, it's by a band called The Shots. And um, I haven't actually got to meet them yet. Um, so I'm, I'll try and have them all over for the uh, for the premiere so they can see what they've gotten themselves into. And, and definitely, definitely Kimberly. Um, it just seems like she was the rock, right? Yes. Yeah. Supporting. Well, hey, we're reaching an hour, and I know as interesting as it is, I I don't um, want to 
you know, overdo this with you um, and our listeners, but I would say make a note or maybe go back to episode 45 and, and put it on your queue on your, on your uh, podcast app so that the next time you open it, you're listening to that. Cause I think you'll find it very interesting. There's a lot of details to this film and the story and honestly, Ross, I can't wait for you to release it uh, to the online world somehow, some way, uh, even yes. if it's even if it's video on demand or something. I mean, we we need to get more people to to watch this. Yeah, great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also another part of the story which has to do with drug addiction. You know, yes. And yeah, I just uh, have it be all um, characters enjoying themselves. I wanted it to. Uh, show the effects of uh, what he's doing. Yeah, and um, I think it's it's a very good. Oh, you know, there's a very good message. I think in this film, if anything positive comes out of this film, <laughs> <laughs> it is that. And as hard as it is to watch it, and as realistic as I've been saying that the film is, um, it's as realistic as life is for. Uh, a lot of people who are um, addicted to drugs, especially, uh, you know, methamphetamines and, and, and heroin and, and things like that. But basically more, I think, meth, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, any, I mean, really any of it. <laughs> well, because some, some drugs actually make people just sort of slump over and, you know, get pretty useless <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, yeah. but then methamphetamines uh is completely the opposite it makes people do uh really crazy things and uh the paranoia and all that i mean that comes with everything but um it's it's it it just really tears people up yeah yeah from the inside out yeah um all right so don't hang up but say goodbye to our our friends who are listening all right, goodbye everyone. Thank you. I have one last thing actually. Yeah. What maybe. what would the what would the advice be um for anyone who's out there who's an actor uh who and no actor ever will say I've got all the parts I ever wanted. I'm offered parts left and right. Um <laughs> as much as even the most famous ones you can think of, they're not going to say that in I mean they may say that, but it's not true. <laughs> um, so what would your advice be as far as maybe doing something like what you did? Uh, to just do it. Um, set a date of when you want to do it and work towards that date and do it. I think just setting a date is a really, really important first step to getting things done because you can move dates around. That's fine. But that it makes you do it. It makes you work towards something. So set a date, I'd say. That's true. Even if you have to move the date around, there is psychologically something about having to look at the date again and the fact that you're moving it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you can get – I'll just throw that date around. Go ask the people you want to be involved. Say, are you available on this date? And if they – and find a date where they are. Awesome. All right. Well, then, good night, everybody. <laughs> 